0: But some of the myths of being a housing provider are that you have to have a lot of money. So you have to have a lot of money to get started. The, you know, that crappy little condo that I bought in Austin, I put down $3,000 and that loan product that we use, it still exists. I mean, that wasn't a fluke. So you can get into your own home with, you know, if you're a veteran or I know there's some... Um, Like teacher credits and all that you can get into a house for under ten thousand dollars of your your own money and then once you get more into like the actual you know purchasing as a rental product we use the burr method
1: Welcome to the Cedar and Forge Real Estate Investment Podcast. I'm the host, Shona Lepis. Follow along as we unpack and demystify real estate investment strategies through expert interviews and personal experience. From how to find off-market deals to creative financing to long-term and mid-term rentals. Our goal is to educate and inspire others to gain financial freedom and generational wealth through real estate investing. Right. Today, I'm super excited to have Jessie Lang on. We actually met in a course on how to promote a course. She has a Rentals Made Easy course, and I have a midterm rental playbook course. So Jessie started investing in real estate by house hacking over 10 years ago and has since grown a substantial rental portfolio that she manages with the help of a small remote team. She's laser focused on the Burn method, which allows her to put her money to work over and over again to create generational wealth. She partners with private money lenders to buy real estate with none of her own money while providing them double-digit returns on their investment. When she isn't managing rentals or coaching, she travels with her wife, Laura, spoils her five, yes, five pets, and gets yeah. her hands dirty in DIY house projects and gardening. So today we're going to dive into the topic of how to successfully self-manage your own rental portfolio, which is happens to be a topic that I love. So there's countless courses out there that teach you how to find and buy real estate rental investments. But once you own them, there's not a lot out there and how to self-manage them, what to do. So I'm successfully, so I'm excited to dive into the topic. So Jesse, thank you so much for taking the time to chat about real estate and rental management, nice. how you got
0: started and all that fun stuff. How did I get started? Yes. Yeah, so thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And How I got started in real estate was actually kind of an accident. So I knew growing up that I wanted to work for myself and I knew that I had that entrepreneurial spirit, but I wasn't really sure what I was interested in. So I did go to college, grew up in Austin, Texas, went to university of Texas. So I stayed local and I went to school for business because it was pretty generic And I didn't have to decide yet. So I knew I wanted to do some business, but like, you know, I'm, you know, 18, 19 years old. Don't make me commit to something. I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. So I just chose like general business management and graduated college and did what you're supposed to do. You know, they say, get a job, get married, have some kids, buy a house. Well, I did some of those, but (laughs) not all of them. And I did end up buying a house. So I bought a crappy little condo and this was in Austin back in the good old days, like 2013 before it, you know, kind of went crazy. Yeah. It was was on the, it was on the beginning stages, but nothing like if you go visit now. So bought that condo and I had a partner and we had a roommate. And combined, they were paying my mortgage. And I, you know, no one told me that house hacking, which I now know it's called, right, was a a concept. I was just like, hey, you know, I got extra space, come on down. And over time, I was able to save quite a bit of money. So this was all in my own my own property that I owned. And then couple years down the road my partner and i at the time we split up and in the span of 2 weeks i went from living in my house to being moved out and having renters in the, in the property yeah. it was fast and it was hectic but i knew i knew a couple of things so i knew that emotionally i couldn't live in the house you know i not where i wanted to be after the breakup I knew that I could not pay the mortgage on my own or you know just having it sit vacant and I knew that being at this point maybe 20 2014 or so in Austin it would be insane to sell it. So I I knew hey I got to keep this I got to figure out a way to keep this. So I hodgepodge together a lease. I talked to you know anyone who my family didn't manage real estate or anything like this. So anyone who even knew anything about real estate, I was trying to get every information I could from them. So, like I said, in the very short amount of time, I accidentally was a, a housing provider.
1: Accidental Yeah. So
0: cool. Accidental. Honestly, I think so many people start that way. <laughs>
1: It is the origin story. Everyone you house hack and there's this light bulb like, oh my god, I'm not paying rent. And I swear everyone I talk that's how I did i house and it was it was roommates, yes. right? It was Craigslist roommates.
0: <laughs> Craigslist roommate, yeah. Right? Look that's back I, I look back now and I was like, what were we thinking? Right,
1: yeah, total strangers in your house. Like Yeah, I'm like, oh. come on down. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. That's so awesome. That is like
1: the smartest way to there's so many things, and you get your equity and you can leverage that. I mean, I told that yes. to so many people. And very few like yourself have the kind of, I think it's a bit of intuition gumption. I don't know what you want to call it, right? Well, I,
0: I appreciate, no, I appreciate you saying that, but I will tell you my live old moment did not occur for years to come. (laughs) (laughs) I was doing this and I was like, oh, this is cool. And I went to business school. I had real estate, never even occurred to me that this was like a career path. No one, I mean, no I didn't talk
1: about it, right? No, no one talks no, about it. An investor is a thing, or at least I Correct. never heard that. You're an agent or maybe you're a landlord and you just become magically a landlord somehow. Correct. Yeah. You're
0: <laughs> just, yeah. Overnight. You just right. are. But I, I didn't know anyone like my family growing up. We did own our home, but that was it. I mean, I didn't know anyone in my family who was doing this family, friends. I mean, I wasn't exposed to real estate as a profession. Mm-hmm. So my libel moment didn't come until I owned three properties in Austin, had two rented out, and then roommates in the one I was living in. So I was house hacking my own house, plus had two rentals, and then finally, (laughs) finally figured out, hey, this could actually be my living, (laughs)
1: You know, it's funny you say that because I didn't have that either. I just was having a remit and I didn't really put it together until yours. So yeah, no. Okay. I didn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to admit to that. So did you do the owner, um, owner occupied thing and keep going with your houses? or I did. I did.
0: I did yeah. So I was buying the next property with owner occupied financing.
1: That is so it, like the secret. I think if you can yeah. do that and just keep kind of that domino thing. And that's when I tell people like you've got a W-2, like just house hack, right? And then. Yes.
0: Like, it's just- I mean, the, the catches you have to move. So yeah. if you don't want to move, it does make it a little harder, but I was young. I had no ties. I had very little furniture. I mean, if you told me that now that <laughs> it would not fly.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I'm pretty settled. I'm like, I'm beyond that. Yeah.
0: yeah we're settled. <laughs> We but all like, five of my pets. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. But, but, uprooting.
1: Totally. No, it's not. But when you're young and you have that kind of a, you're just like, a lot is tied down, man. Like I, I, that's the advice I'd give anyone. Like if you want to start like owner occupied, live rent free, just.
0: Yes. So awesome. Yeah.
1: So I feel like there's a select few of us that are landlords and there's so many connotations and there's so many kind of fears and myths. I mean, I've heard them all. I'm sure you have. <laughs> I'd love to hear what you think are the most common ones are and kind of unpack them and why maybe they're not true.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So I will start by saying, you know, the term landlord has such a negative meaning these days, especially, I mean, you're in Portland. I can't imagine with your liberal, you know, such a liberal city. We're in Columbus, Ohio, also very liberal, but the a little more accepted, I guess. So we actually use the term housing provider. Um, it, it's a more, I don't get yeah, PC, I guess it's more accurate representation. Like, you know, landlord was back in the feudal system of <laughs> like you're lording
1: you know, over. Someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally.
0: I'm not the Lord of your land. Yeah. I do own the home and I provide housing as a product. Mm-hmm. So we use the term housing provider, which is like such a small start Mm -hmm. in trying to change that uh, perception. Mm -hmm. But some of the myths of being a housing provider are that you have to have a lot of money. So you have to have a lot of money to get started. The, you know, that crappy little condo that I bought in Austin, I put down $3,000 And that loan product that we use, it still exists. I mean, that wasn't a fluke. So um, you can get into your own home with, if you're a veteran or I know there's some um, like teacher credits and all that, you can get into a house for under $10,000 of your, your own money. And then once you get more into like the actual, you know, purchasing as a rental product, we use the Burr method. Have you talked about this on a past podcast? I, have,
1: I know, but I think for, I mean, if you want to unpack it, it's, Should, like, it's yeah. Really, Should I go into like, it? The coolest strategy. So yeah, yeah, that'd that'd yeah. Awesome. yeah,
0: yeah. So I actually didn't fully embrace Burr until about two, two and a half years ago, and that's when our portfolio skyrocketed. So I was buying with conventional financing upfront, which is you know, 20% down and to get 20% down, even in our market where the prices are, you know, pretty accessible, mm-hmm. it still was taking six months to a year for every individual purchase. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't scale at that speed. Mm-hmm. So I finally figured out, I unlocked the burr strategy and it, we've been able to scale, um, 20 to 30 properties a year since then. So Damn. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So what, what bird does, it stands for buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and repeat. And Shona, I have a handout that, um, we can attach to the podcast and it goes over all of this, like in a visual reference. So if you guys want to go ahead and, um, download that and follow along.
1: That would be awesome. We'll put in the show notes. Yeah. Super generous because it is super smart. Like don't just flip and sell, like hold it.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. So, so what Burr does, and if you see the handout, you can follow along is essentially you are going to buy the property with hard money or private money. And that means a short term loan at a high interest. So hard money is a company, not a bank. But they, they act as a bank, but their entire purpose is short loans so you can buy cash. It basically acts as cash. And then same with private money, except private money is just an individual you know who may have a high net worth or some money that isn't making money. So they're willing to invest it in you. You pay them a double-digit return. And then you know you get their money. They get the double-digit interest and everyone's happy. So you buy it with, with some sort of hard or private money. And then that you're buying a property that needs renovations, right? Because we need to add the value. Mm-hmm. So in the, the first R, so we have buy, now we have rehab. So in that R, it, we're gonna add the value by doing renovations to you know increase it up to market rent, right? So we could be doing cosmetics, kitchen bath, flooring paint. We could be doing mechanicals, hot water tank, furnace, AC, roof windows, or we could go as far as structural where we're moving walls, getting permits, maybe the basement needs some, you know, beams, that kind of thing. So you can get more or less aggressive on how comfortable you are with the rehab. Mm-hmm. Like you can definitely just do a carpet and paint rehab.
1: Lipstick. Yeah, That's-
0: yeah, so out. it doesn't necessarily matter how much renovation. We tend to err on like closer to cosmetic and mechanicals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um there's just less risk. It's once faster. you start moving walls. Yeah, yeah. 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 Once you start getting into the structural, that's when all the uh craziness kind of starts. So
1: permits yeah. and all that stuff. Exactly right.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So then you're doing your renovation and Once the property is renovated up to market standard, you are putting a renter in there at market rent. So depending on how good your renovation is, uh, you know, we kind of comp our rents the same way you would comp a comparable sale if you're looking to sell a product. So if we're looking at a three bed, one bath in our neighborhood um, in ours, you know, everything's renting for say 1500 but ours is much nicer and maybe it has a little bit bigger garage. Okay. So we're going to go for 1600, right? So you're just looking at your market rent the same as you would on a comparable sales. So then you put someone in at market rent. And then at this point, the bank has everything that they need to get into long-term financing. So that's where it buy rehab rent refinance. Okay, so it refinance. The bank wants to see market value rent in place plus the renovations that you've done. And then they're going to appraise the property and that value is what's called the ARV, the after repair value. Now the bank is going to lend you between 70 and 80% of that after repair value. We'll use 75 for the example that's really common so they will give you 75% of what the property appraises for so in if it appraised for for the sake of math 100,000 they will loan you 75,000 okay now imagine again this is probably not realistic yeah. but okay, for but the sake math. of math that's yeah totally i don't bad. know we get some pretty good deals in columbus so
1: i'm getting jealous <laughs> Just yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: So, um, so the bank will give you 75, say you purchase this property for 50,000 and then you put 25,000 into it. So you're all in for 75 of hard or private money. Mm -hmm. And then the bank will give you 75.
1: So you're, so you're you're cool again. Yeah. They
0: give you all of the bank will give you all of your money back so you can pay off your private or hard money lender and then you own the property with 25% equity and cash flow every month it's brilliant
1: it's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> and and your mortgage will stay the same when your rents keep going up and that's, that's correct yeah. yep yeah yep so it's it's such a brilliant strategy a couple questions so has this current high rates affected the strategy doll, or you just have to force that equity more to make that work
0: um that's a good question. Yes. Yeah, the rates have definitely hurt our cash flow. Also, banks before this kind of correction were lending at 80% loan to value, meaning on that 100,000 appraised value, they'll give you 80 instead of 75,000. Mm-hmm. Um so they're they're conservative again, so 75, even some at 70 so they're just not willing to leverage as much of the value in the form of a loan, but they will. Um, they will still do the loan. So it hasn't stopped the strategy at all. You just have to. You just have to know what the refi lender is willing to give you, and then make sure that you don't go over that with your all-in cost.
1: It's all just, it's a numbers game, right? (laughs) It is. Yeah, It's it's back and forth. Okay. One more question. Like for someone like I'm, I'm self-employed and I've kind of been using DSCR loans. Do you use an asset kind of loan or depends on your, if you have a W-2, if that makes sense.
0: Even without a W-2, if you have two years of tax returns as a independent, you know, business owner, I, I know that. That's kind of hard starting out, but mm-hmm. by the time you get a few of these going, like it may have already been two years. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> time flies, Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Time flies. So if you are, if you have your W2 and you're running your entrepreneur, you know, your business on the side that's a great way to get those two years of tax returns before you fully pull the plug on the W2 because then you're going to be more lendable it those two years of tax returns are really key if you want to do any sort of conventional financing
1: they want your firstborn or whatever you most
0: they do yeah <laughs>
1: just I also I don't know if you recommend like kind of knowing a mortgage broker, or kind of running your idea through them to know, like, so you're really being realistic on what that loan to value is because it can change. You know? like, um, yes.
0: Oh, definitely. So bef- well, we have two to three in each letter of the process at all times. Okay. So I'm pretty comfortable knowing what my refi lender is at. Okay. So I know that when I buy something, in two months, by the time that buy gets all the way through the process and to the refi that it could, it could shift who knows, you know, COVID started and span. <laughs> you know, in two weeks, our lives have changed. So, uh, you know, it's not a foolproof plan by any, by any means, but it's been pretty consistent. So if you're, doing just one at a time. And that's completely fine. If you are just before you buy, speak to the, that are the refi lender just to see where they're at. Cause it could definitely, you know, your purchase price clearly impacts your all in and you want that all in to match what the bank is willing to give you.
1: For sure. I feel like it's, it's like a sandwich purchase price and ARV and you just got to do the match. Yep. Really. I think be, you know, a little conservative on the ARV, right? Even if you're not selling it, because
0: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, so ask your lender about their loan to value, which is the LTV, the percentage they will leverage, Mm -hmm. but ask your agent to run your comparable, you know, your comps, your ARV comps, because if, you are not confident with what the property will be worth once it's fixed up. The appraiser won't be confident. Like we don't buy any properties that are unique or unusual because if I don't know the value of the property, guess who also won't know the value. Exactly. Yeah, so then yeah. you could get you could get all the way through this. You have a renter in place and you think you're about to get all your money back, and the appraisal comes in crazy. So we like to buy neighborhoods that are very congruent, uh, similar layouts, two, three bed, one, two bath, you know, all, they all have basements or they all don't have basement. Like we just, we like them to be very congruent. So it's very clear what our after repair value will be.
1: That's really strategic. Cause yeah, if you get something that you can't run a comp on, then it just gets hairy or, and I also think, saying would be realistic because I've had agents and I love them, but they'll give me, especially when the market was hot, pretty pie in the sky, Airbies. I'm like, that's very optimistic.
0: Yeah. If it doesn't work at a number you would be comfortable with on a, you know, a low appraisal, mm-hmm. then you, you definitely, I mean, I would consider a different deal.
1: Yeah. I feel like you, it just, it's so critical to get those numbers and just have the margin. So even if you, you have to have a plan B, right. It's just, yes, yeah. It's a funny market we're Awesome. Well, thank you for unpacking that. I think it's 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 a super cool strategy and it's really a way to leverage, you know, to build that long-term wealth versus short-term gain, right? It's really strategic. I would love to kind of dive into the benefits of self-managing, why you've chosen to do that versus hire a company.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, great great question. This is something I am wildly passionate about. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> and, yeah. And the summary is that no one is ever going to care about your property like you do, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. If someone tells you that they will, there should be red flags, sirens going off in your head and you should be (laughs) running the other way because they're lying. (laughs) That person is comfortable lying to your face about this. You are purchasing, you know, a hundred up to a million dollars of an asset, you wouldn't take that amount of money and just turn it over to anyone Mm -hmm. and be okay with it. So why would you turn over your property to someone who has, it's human nature. They are not going to have your best interest. Mm -hmm. So um, I did have property management for a while, uh, about a, a, a little under a year. That's as long as we made it. Okay. That's as long as we made it because the problems went away as in, I didn't hear about them until I started hearing about them. And then I started digging and then they came snowballing more than I ever had when I was self-managing
1: really okay interesting
0: yeah so really unhappy residents people not getting any sort of replies on their maintenance requests oh yeah um people who had paid rent but didn't get a receipt and were being told they didn't pay rent i mean just stuff that it's shocking and that i didn't know anything about until i started asking the right questions And at that point, it was very, very clear that, because this company was recommended top property management in Columbus. I'm like, if they can't do it. Right. If they can't do it, I'm not going to, yeah. So I got, I got really serious about putting the systems and the processes and the people that I needed in place to bring everything back in house. Okay. And just take it over ourselves and I will never look back ever.
1: I mean, I've heard both sides, but I've heard enough of like, Hey, I had, they didn't tell me I had a vacancy for three months and they were out of the guy. it's just like, that's, that's my,
0: yeah, it just makes me. (laughs) And so the, a lot of these companies are managing, I would say the small sides, hundreds of units Mm. up to, you know, over thousands of units. How? Are they possibly going to keep up with those details? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you're not you're not really a priority, especially if you've not a huge amount of doors. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so when you're considering taking in-house, actually, well, I'd love to know, like you said, team. Like, I'd love to unpack who's on your team and how you yes.
0: structure that. No, great follow-up because I wanted to add to the previous. When I say self-managing, I don't mean you as the property owner are out there driving around collecting rent (laughs) putting notices on the door that's not what I mean when I say self-manage okay you have a couple of units more power to you you definitely can do it yourself Mm -hmm. but if you're looking to scale Mm -hmm. you can still self-manage by owning the process owning the documents owning how you want it done even if you are not the one doing it okay so We, I did, I did all of this by myself for a long time, really like looking back, I'm like, why was I doing that for so long? (laughs) And so we now have, we have teams. I have part-time admin. She's remote. She works on her own schedule. Um, It works for her and her family. It works for me. You know, she's paid by the hour. And when we have more going on, I pay a bit more. And when we have, you know, when it's smooth sailing, then my bill's a little less, but it, um, with our portfolio now, it comes out to about 400 a week, $400 a week. I pay her and she handles all of our resident communication. She handles scheduling all of our maintenance requests. She handles collection of any late rents and we do everything. I, I know we'll get to it, but we use software for all of this. So she's in our software you know, every day handling all these requests. And I don't speak to our residents. So I am more focused on scaling the business. Mm -hmm. And then she and I speak, we probably text daily, but we have a dedicated call once a week for two hours.
1: I love that because those little things, like, I mean, I have software, but I'm the one kind of still doing the coordinating and I kind of intentionally went into software so I could do what you're doing. I haven't quite there yet um but it really eats your time and the mind share and like just half the time I'm just texting the plumber hey and then I'm texting the tenants and here's a maintenance ticket So like so my question is if you want to bring someone for the admin stuff like are they trained in landlord tenant law like how educated are they kind of in the ma- property management kind of sphere of things or is it more just really admin?
0: That's a great question. so in Ohio and I imagine it's different state by state, In Ohio, you do not have to have your real estate license as long as you are just working for one person. If you start working for more than one owner, then you do need your license and you need a property management license. That's what we have here. Okay. So as long as she is just working with me, then she doesn't need a license. She's acting as a representative of the owner. and. We go over fair housing. I was with her this morning. I actually walk into property. I show her all. We have a big focus on safety and function items. Mm-hmm. So if something isn't working or is unsafe, I genuinely do not care what it costs. We're going to get it fixed. Mm-hmm. So as she's really focused on those items. So she understands safety and function she, and she understands fair housing very well. But outside of that, I mean, we're, she's not doing anything that I'm not asking her to do as far as like eviction related or Um, is that kind of what you're getting at?
1: Yeah. I was just curious. And I'm also coming from like a very uh, tenant friendly place. So it's kind of a hot button issue. Um, I think, but I believe if you provide... Safe, clean, stylish housing—you know—and you're generally not going to get into problems if you are a, a good housing provider. And I've heard that yes. term before, and I'm like, I I like it, but I haven't quite take some embrace like, it, yeah. Twisting to kind of get your and then I, yeah, I I actually put that out in a group. I'm like, hey, what does everyone think? And then you know, I'm like, do you like land? I landlady sounds also <laughs> just like yeah. in the 70s or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, super helpful. And I think, again, it's like having the infrastructure. So you're not in the weeds, kind of like working on your business, not in it. Cause it, you know, it's, you should be growing it, not communicating over a leaky toilet. Yep. Um, you know, I just, I feel like when people I've, I've told the strategy, Hey, like you move out of your house, keep it. And people are so just, I don't know. They're really terrified of that landlord thing has so many negative, I think there's just so many negative Experiences. I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you have any advice for people that are just really scared of like the two o'clock toilet call, which I never get, but people think you get?
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say like toilets are so much more functional than people imagine. It's like <laughs> the toilet mostly works. Like right, yeah, it works like ninety nine point nine percent of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we are huge on setting expectations that my entire business and honestly life has been built around setting expectations so we have a welcome letter that we you know have signed we have it signed Mm -hmm. along with the lease and it outlines what you can and cannot put in the toilet as one of as one of 30 other things you can and cannot do so is someone still going to do it probably do they understand the expectation that this is not allowed. Should you do it anyways? This is the consequence. So, and also if you have two toilets in your house, it's not an emergency anyways. Totally fair it's, not. it's not, it's not like, so if you, if you are worried about the toilet being an emergency and you have two toilets, just get that idea out of your head. You're never going to have the emergency.
1: And I've, and they generally, to your point, they don't, and, and all toilets are pretty cheap too. It's a pretty easy thing as well. Even if you have to yeah. replace it. When I realized
0: that a couple of years ago, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize it was yeah. that big
1: of a deal. It's
0: like to, and even if there's something down there that a plunger can't get a snake for $300 from a plumbing company, we'll get the job done. And I'm going to bill my resident because they were explicitly told not to X, Y, Z and they did it. So here's the bill.
1: See, I have, I, I have never done that, and I, I probably should start doing that because if it's something they cause, I just have yeah. that, like mental hang up on it. But yeah, it's
0: just, so I, it's it's impossible to do unless you tell them ahead of time. That makes okay. It's like know. you know, like a kid. You if, if you're, and I don't want to equate our residents to children, but yeah, well, it's they it's, are they kind of. of <laughs> <laughs> I think they are. I've got kids. You know, we, we are. In the affordable housing space. So we have a lot of kind of entry level rent- rentals where we're working with someone whom it's their first time renting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I have not a problem going over three pages of expectations with someone, having them sign it and holding them to that expectation because I'm training them how to rent a home for the rest of their life, you know, hopefully buy a home, but I'm preparing them to be part of. For caring for a home for the rest of their lives
1: and I love that and I think it's a skill because like your next place is going to use you as a reference and then eventually you want to buy a house they're going to ask you if you paid your rent on time so yeah I've, I've had a couple uh, like groups of college kids and I felt like I was doing like a rental 101 course you know because they never rented I'm like you're lucky you got me because I'm really nice and I will yes and through like all the utility you and know, all the things and it was just, yeah, I'm like, I just, I should offer a
0: course. <laughs> Shona, put it in writing. Have yeah. the conversation one time. Note down everything that you told them. Put it in writing and have them sign it.
1: You know, I have a welcome letter and I used to have people sign it. And then I think I got kind of complacent and I stopped having them sign it. But it's a good reminder because I am very specific on garbages this day. Like every, yes. the light comes on. I don't want to say that. Like, so 100%. But I think the signing you're kind of it's, it's the expectations, I think. Yes, setting yes. That. And I think that's so important because like people want, they want to be helped. Like they want good and they really want good communication. I think that's when landlords don't respond, even if you're like, Hey, the parts
0: delayed, just let people know the worst is not knowing. so Absolutely. No, absolutely. So I noticed that you said you got complacent about having your welcome letter signed. I would challenge you to outsource that
1: because yes.
0: I put it, so my admin, her name's Cassie. I am always saying everyone needs a Cassie. So I, <laughs> so I outsource it to Cassie with the checklist. So when someone moves in, we do boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And I don't do it because I can't be trusted. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I can't, because if I don't do it, I'm only letting myself down, right? Yeah, yeah. But if she doesn't do it, she's letting me down. So it's much more likely it's going to get done when you outsource those repeatable tasks.
1: It's so true. And I, I mean, I even have software I could put it in. So like I, yeah, that's, it's a really good, thank you. That's a good reminder. Well, so is there anyone else on your team before we move on as far as like admin or any other team members? Like, you know, obviously there's your subs, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Cassie, she does our computer-based, you know, scheduling and anything inside of our software, but then we have a handyman or, you know, handy person trying to be more <laughs> PC about that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, We have a, you know, a handy person we have, they, they can do most things Hmm. that uh, are required for a rental because keep in mind, we did a full renovation on this property before it was rented out. So they're, they're doing small little, an outlet's not working or, you know, something like that. There's a small leak under the sink. They're not doing God I I can't even think like, Hey, my garage door fell off I, I you know <laughs> yeah um, and then we have of course like specialty trades so if there is anything bigger plumber um carpenter we do specifically have a garage door company
1: I do too right someone's yeah, like you yeah. know a garage I'm like yeah I've had to yeah. first, right it's super specific but
0: yeah. yeah so um I like to just kind of be on a text basis with all of these guys. And I just put Cassie on a chat with them. She, I, fo- I follow along, you know, okay. she's been with me now almost a year. And I think I'm about ready to get off some of these texts.
1: <laughs> she's so trained and yeah, she's
0: so good. Okay, okay. I was c- catching myself in the beginning, um, chiming in a lot more often, mm-hmm. but I really, she's, she's getting it herself now. So this isn't something that's going to happen overnight. I don't want someone to just think, Hey, I'm going to put an admin in place and step away because that's the same as hiring property management. <laughs> yes, Yeah, totally.
1: But no, you once you, I mean that upfront time, then it frees you up so much, right? That's Correct. Awesome. Correct. Okay. So I think that's a good segue into like software. I have my favorites, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on like what you're using and why and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we actually have software broken into two different categories. We have our property management system, which is all resident facing. And then we also have our data management system, which is more backend and kind of owner facing. And I think so many investors overlook this. Um, Property management, super obvious. Resident has a sign in, they pay their rent, they submit their maintenance requests, their lease is stored there, et cetera. Right. And so if the resident needs it, that's, it's all there. What people often overlook is the behind the scenes tracking. When I go the, it took me years to get here. So don't feel bad if you aren't here right now. Um, when I go to submit for my taxes, it takes a couple hours because I have everything lined up to a T I have every record of every mortgage that we have. I have the current value of all of our properties. I have appraisals all in one place. I have what I paid for every renovation. I have any evictions. Um, I have all of my inspections all stored in, we use Podio. It's a do you know Cody? Yeah,
1: I've I've toyed with it. I that, that you're using that for your data. That's interesting. That's for a data, yeah. CRM, yep. right? Or am I mixing? No, okay. it's a
0: CRM. Okay. Um, I am. I'm happy. That's
1: that's a really interesting point because I think everyone thinks like, okay, repairs, but you don't think about when you're presenting to a lender, even a PML, like having your ducks in a row, and that data is like, that's that's really smart. I, I yes, yeah.
0: So there's, you know, like your schedule of real estate. So any lender on that third R, when you go to refi, the lender is going to say, Hey, tell me everything you own, when you bought it, how much you paid for it, um, what you currently owe on it and what like investors are before I put this in place, I would melt down. (laughs) Right. I like Lind after that. It, yeah, it three weeks later, I'm like, maybe starting to put it together because yeah. I'm like, trying trying, you know. <laughs> so if you are consistent and proactive on managing your behind the scenes data, you are able to move that much faster. So a huge foundation on everything we do is slow down to speed up. Yes, I, I, I live by it. So, yes every time i sign a mortgage on a hard or private money loan guess what i'm sitting down for 15 minutes my data management system and i am putting all of it in because when my lender wants on the backside and i push a button and it exports then i'm doesn't take me three weeks it took me 15 minutes
1: and you have that really big picture, kind of all that data, because it's, it's like, you know, I have it in folders and it's in this, it's on Google Drive, it's did, but it's not like accessible, I would write, it's a lot of digging.
0: That's and the it's not reportable. So can you, could you tell me, and you don't have to, but like, right now, could you tell me the current value of your portfolio?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I have in some spreadsheet somewhere, and you know, on some yeah deep folder somewhere because I've had to do that right for hard money or whatever. You're like, but it's also good to know because I think that whole gap gain thing. Some days you're like, I'm just not at this many doors, but you're like, but I've gotten this money right. Kind of, it's also way to. I don't know.
0: I haven't heard gap gain. (laughs) No,
1: it's I'll send you a link, but it's essentially like I think as entrepreneurs, right, the bar is always moving. We're like maybe started out with no rentals and now we have a handful, right? But we feel like. Like, but this person has two hundreds so we're always like, measuring it against someone else. But if you measure kind of backwards where you've come in, like knowledge or doors or systems or whatever it is, and like kind of measuring your wins versus the, the bar that always moves. right? <laughs> so it's just a good way to measure yourself against yourself versus everyone out there that's killing it. And you feel yeah. like you know, small potatoes.
0: No, I love
1: it. I love yeah. it. I think it's the entrepreneurial kind of uh just at least for me, that's something that I'm like I'm always measuring against something else or feeling and I forget while I've learned so much, right? I know strategies, I had no idea were a thing. <laughs> so
0: yeah. Right. So, right. No, I love that. I haven't heard I've kind of heard it more as like imposter syndrome. Yes. That it's kind yeah. of
1: an antidote to that,
0: I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so guilty of it. I have to check myself every other day
1: I mean right now I feel like I'm who am I to do a podcast right yeah no it's like I think everyone probably that's successful has that because we're also around super successful people that we surround ourselves with and uh yeah yeah it's Um,
0: like I was saying growing up and through college I didn't know one person in this world and then you just take one little foot in a tiny little step in and it opens up like you could be sitting on an airplane next to someone who owns a thousand doors and you would have not a clue. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, there's so many people out there doing the same thing as you. And we just don't even know it until we take the effort to like, get out there and meet people.
1: It's so true. And I think that if you are showing how you are doing good things and maintaining, people aren't going to judge you. And I think there's a lot of like, you know, yes. I, at least I worried about that. I was like, well, I only own a cup, but you know, it's a handful, but like for a lot of people, even owning a house is like a milestone, right? So yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's um so important. Um, Okay. I love the data piece, Podia. So, and I just have to ask, like, I mean, I think for us, like software there is for anyone that hasn't, there's so much software that has automates, like you said, rent collections. Some of them are even now allowing tenants to like self-report their rent, which is great for credit. Yes. Yeah. Really cool features. And there's a resident portal. Do you have a favorite software? Does it depend on how many doors?
0: So we are currently in the process of switching, which is a huge undertaking. It is not a small task. Yeah. So I would recommend, depending on where you think you want your portfolio to be, you may just want to bite the bullet and plan ahead a bit. So we started on tenant cloud, which if you're looking for a portfolio of 20 or fewer units, well, you'll be good forever. Okay. So we got past that 20 and there's some challenges. So we're actually switching to building them. Now tenant cloud starting is $9 a month. How could you say no to that when you have such a, you know, I don't want to say small, but you're you're just managing a handful. Mm-hmm. It's I mean it's a steal, an absolute steal. When you get to 60 plus, like the cost of these better features is it, it is divided between so many units that it's nominal at that point. But if you think you're going to really scale up above 20, I would consider I would consider Buildium or AppFolio. They're gonna run 150 up, depending on your units. I think we pay about 250 now, which starting out that would have been very difficult. But now the difference in features, it makes sense.
1: Yeah, I switched from well, I did a couple jumps, but I went from Apartments.com, which had been migrated to um, Port. Um, building and it's probably but I'm kind of it's probably a little more enterprise than I need but like like to your point, switching is a pain and the functionality is like, great. I mean, it's really streamlined so much and yes. learning curve. I'm on support a lot. I'm like, how do I do this? Like, right. But it's, your support is really good. Really good. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've, I'm like, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm always learning, but I think it's to your point, like if you're going to grow, like plan ahead
0: because switching is, you got to get your tenants moved over and it's just, it's a big deal. I should have done this honestly 40 units ago, but yeah. I was like, no, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but and now I'm like oh no I'm <laughs> switching okay cool it's just good to know because there's again I think there's so many tools out there you can get really so overwhelmed many. right but I think to your point like paying a little more especially if you have a team that plays, is well worth it because switching later it's it's not worth it and yeah there's so many things I like about it all right so I guess just to kind of wrap it up here is there you know a breaking point where we were like okay Do you think there's a cap on like how many doors you can self-manage or if you have the right team? It's kind of like the sky's the limit.
0: Sky's the limit. Okay. I think that if you don't self-manage, there is a limit to how big you can grow because you're going to get the headaches. They're going to come back to you. Eventually you're going to need to sell the property or the property management goes out of business or they drop you or something. And those headaches are coming back and they're all coming back at once. So you are going to get steamrolled with catching up with everything that hasn't been done. So I actually see it as self-managing allows you to scale because you know what's coming, right? You know what challenges per, you, you understand your portfolio, and no one's going to understand it like you do. Mm-hmm. So you are able to actually scale because you can get ahead of any little issues that aren't going to derail a whole week of your life down the road.
1: I've never quite heard it put that way. That's really interesting because you have your moments where you're like, am I crazy? And a lot of people are like, oh, you should never self-manage. But the, there there is so many.
0: Let me talk to them. But yeah. yeah, put me in touch. <laughs> because <laughs> you know sometimes
1: especially in a place where it's very again tenant friendly and you know you're sometimes you question yourself, but that's super helpful and I think it's the key like you've been really stressing is the systems and the team and yes you're not really yeah. in it right so that's thank you so much well yeah we could go on forever and we should probably <laughs> wrap, wrap up so a couple so again this is one of those big questions take it however you want do you have any business or life advice to live life on your own
0: terms To live life on your own terms. I wish that I had done this so much earlier than I really embraced it is I wish I would have just trusted myself Mm. and trusted my instinct and my intuition. I was slow to make decisions. I was reserved and it's easy to say that now that you've done it a bunch of times. Yeah. And, you know, I am incredibly thankful for all the time I spent learning, mm-hmm. but I think that I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't aggressive enough in believing in myself. Is that helpful?
1: That's super. I'm just nodding. <laughs> Cause I, I feel like, yeah, you, um, you kind of have to take that leap. And the sooner you do it, the more you'll realize like anything that you're terrified of, you're going to figure it out. You're going to learn it. And it's, it, yeah, it's, the, you're building your future. The sooner you start, the more you're building this thing. And the, yeah, you just, yeah, I think into trusting your, it's hard to do, but it's
0: I it's hard that. to do. I think that I I was so fearful of making a mistake mm-hmm. that it took me years to realize it mistakes are inevitable. So what, what was I hiding from? Because you're going to make the mistake, the faster you make them, the faster you learn from it and don't, I'm not saying like, you know, be irresponsible and just rush into some crazy deal or something like that. But if you're working with the right people, if you understand the role model specifically for what I'm doing, mm-hmm. um, and, and you have a good agent, you have a good mentor, you have a good coach, you have someone you can lean on. Just trust the process and trust yourself in that process because it's worked for hundreds. I mean, how many housing providers are out there? Hundreds of thousands? Like right. it's worked It's worked for them. So why wouldn't it work for you? You just have to trust that it will
1: it's true. And I think to your point, the mentor and people, and I don't know, I feel like it is a very supportive community there. It's not competitive, at least for my, been my experience, people are more than willing. They're very generous. They've oftentimes made it and they want to give back. Right. So I think, yeah, there's people out there. I'll think great advice. Okay. One more question. Your superpower, maybe like how you use it in your, in your business.
0: (laughs) Hands down is networking. I love talking to people and I, Love sharing my story because real estate has, you know, radically changed my life. And I want to shout to everyone out there, specifically women, that this, like no one told me this was a career path. I just want to yell at all the little kids, real estate's a career. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so networking, I just, I am on a mission to talk to everyone I can and connect folks with you know, someone who maybe a want or a need, or something that they can um, commiserate together, or you know, whatever it may be.
1: I love that, and that's kind of I think it is. Anyone can do this. You don't need a degree. You don't need your own money. Like there's so many myths. So I love that you said that. We kind of covered this, but like a book or a podcast or a resource you'd recommend can be
0: your own. <laughs> so I recently, not recently, in the last six months, I finished "We Should All Be Millionaires." Rachel Rogers it is woman-focused, female-focused, um, and basically says that we should stop apologizing for making money as women and that we need to be in the same room that men are. And when we sell ourselves short, we're actually taking our power and our contribution out of society. So, you know, so many people say, Well, I don't need to make a million dollars. Okay. Or do you? Because what you could take that money and do for the world mm-hmm. is infinitely worth more than the money you made. So true. That impact, right? You
1: have the agency yeah. and you have the resources, right? Cause yeah, no, love it. That's
0: <laughs> Yeah, we should all be millionaires. Definitely. Um, I read it, but I want to listen again on audiobook. I heard the audiobook was really good.
1: I'm a huge Audio fan. I do like one and a half
0: times. I drive around. <laughs> D- awesome. Put that, yeah. Put that on your list, and we'll check back in.
1: Perfect. Okay. Last question. I know you have a course. So How can people find you? Work with you? Check out your course. All that good.
0: Stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's called Rentals Made Easy Method, and we teach other housing providers how to buy and self manage their own rental portfolio. We cover establishing the essentials. So that's you know getting your business set up. Your building a team. We cover getting your property rent ready. So renovations, what you should and shouldn't focus on. We cover finding the right renter. That is such a scary hot topic Mm -hmm. for, you know, up and coming housing providers who are fearful of finding the the wrong person and their house is trash. So we go over step-by-step exactly how to screen and vet them and all that. And then we look at ongoing care. So these are your maintenance requests, your inspections, and move in, move out. These are the things that are going to happen over and over as long as you own it. So outside of that's all on demand. There's on demand videos. We have over six hours of content that you can watch as you're at that step of the process. And then we also have weekly open Q&A calls. We have the resource vault, which is like the holy grail of every single document, reference worksheet that you would need to uh, manage a rental property. So we're at, I want to say it's like over eight pages now. And, And that's links out to the actual documents. That's not the documents. That's just the links to the documents. So you get that, you get a 30 minute kickoff call with me. So we look at your business, we look at your goals, we look at, you know, kind of where you should be focusing in the course to kind of hit your objectives. And then we also have a members only Facebook group. So those questions are getting answered same day. So you're getting, you know, support from myself as well as the, the rest of the student community.
1: I love that. I think it's such a need that isn't really there's not a lot of reason. And again, you buy it, but like how how do you manage it? And all those rec- sounds really. I'm like I want to sign up, but I already know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, telling me on it. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, you're like, very welcome. Been, um, super fun, and I hope inspiring for uh, folks to kind of just take that leap. And yeah, you know, it's not so scary, right? It's
0: not so scary. It's not so scary. You can do it. If I can do it, just literally making it up as I went. (laughs) But it's so fun to have you. Yay! Yay! Thank you
1: so much for listening. I hope you found it valuable. Please take a minute to hit the subscribe or follow button. It really helps other people find us and share it with a wider audience. We also appreciate five-star reviews. Also, please take a screenshot and tag us on your favorite social platform. We're at Cedar and Porch. The show was brought to you by the Midterm Rental Playbook course, your blueprint to setting up a successful midterm rental. Learn more at
0: the Midterm Rental Playbook. Dot .com link in the show notes.